We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys. How many of you are glad to be in church today? Wow, worship was just amazing off the charts. Hey, I just want to take a moment to welcome our Hope Church family in Eureka. Would you put your hands together and welcome Hope Church, Eureka. Bless you guys. We were so blessed having you guys with us last week and our family down at Hope City. Come on, give it up for our family, Hope City. We welcome you guys too. And all of you who are joining online, I'm so grateful for technology that affords us to be able to broadcast this to all those watching live and those who may be homesick, dealing with COVID, or maybe you just can't make it to church this weekend. For whatever reason, I'm just so grateful that you can join us and be in the room with us, even though you're not physically here. So, man, I am so excited about what God is doing. And uh, how many of you know that every time God draws us into a deeper relationship with him and that we feel that calling, I don't know about you, but um, as your pastor, as I've been just really praying and seeking the Lord, and over the last month, just really feeling a sense that God is moving in some unique ways. Even this morning, I just love that response during worship to just come and be at the feet of Jesus. And, and I think we're going to experience even more of that. But how many of you know that, that when God is moving powerfully in your life and you feel this pull towards him? And I love that it says that nobody comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. There's this drawing that happens. There's a drawing, and I feel that drawing. I don't know if you do, but I hope you do. I'm praying that you do. I believe you are. But every time, there's this principle at work that as we are drawn to draw closer to God and go deeper with Him, that we experience this opposition to that, that we have a very real enemy of our soul that, <coughs> excuse me, that doesn't want you to get closer to God. And so every time that we make a conscious decision and a commitment that we're going to pursue God, we're going to pursue Jesus, we're going to go after him, we're going to surrender to him, we're getting serious about our faith, we're taking steps of faith closer to God, you're going to experience some of this opposition. It's called spiritual warfare. And one of the things that I believe that the enemy is ramping up more than ever is this thing called temptation. And so today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at how Jesus handled being tempted, and I think we're going to be able to glean some things from that temptation. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. How many of you enjoying this message series, Riptides, so far? As I prayed, just Lord, I approach every message series that we do. Um, obviously very seriously and ask the Lord what he wants to do what he wants to speak to you and I always believe that God is preparing us always in advance of the season that we're going into and so I know that many of you are newer to Hope Church many of you are newer to this valley you've just moved here recently and I know this God moved you here strategically and and we have banners outside that say welcome home I just want to say to you welcome home I believe that, that you're in a season that God is moving in your life and he's drawn you here for a reason. And uh, I'm excited for what God has for you. When I was praying about this message series, I really felt like um, we're living in some very perilous times. You know that, right? Like, it's not hard to just look at the news, look at what's happening in our world right now, and to know that I believe the enemy is ramping up. He, he knows he's on a short leash. He knows... I believe his time is getting short, and so the work of the enemy is ramping up, and I believe more than ever that the people of God, we need to ramp up as well. And so God told me to prepare you that as we press into all that God has for us, we need to be aware of the things that are going to try to pull us away from God. And, and I, I promise you, I love technology, but I also hate technology. Um, because even though the very mechanism that allows us to stream this right now and to bring what's happening here and what God is doing to many people is also the very same mechanism that the enemy can use to pull people away from God. And so we're in this tension where God is drawing us closer to him, but yet we have to be aware, the Bible says, of the devil's schemes. And that there are things that if we're not careful, and that I want to prepare you for, that as you're pursuing God, they will try to pull you away and separate you from the very life of God. Amen? And we're going to look at this story, and we're going to glean some things from it today. Luke chapter 4. 
How many of you love your Bible? Love your Bible. Love it, love it, love it. Love the Word of God. This uh, whole passage is, is Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Jesus tested in the wilderness. And some of you right now, you're in a wilderness season. You're in a dry season. I believe David spoke into that even prophetically during worship. And I've got good news for you. In the middle of a dry season, in the middle of a wilderness time, that God is still at work in your life and he's going to use even what the enemy meant for harm to you and meant for evil, he can turn it around against him and use it for good in your life. Amen? I hope you believe that. Let's read the passage together. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Let me pause right there and just set this up for you. This is coming off the heels of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And what happens is as Jesus is coming up out of the water as he's baptized, he's not just baptized in water, but he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, symbolically, uh, what appears to be a dove descending upon Jesus is symbolizing the fact that the Holy Spirit has landed upon Jesus and anointed him for the next season that God has in his destiny, in his plan, in his preparation. He's being birthed into a new season. Jesus' ministry is about to be birthed, his earthly ministry. And God not only fills him with this Holy Spirit to, in preparation for that new season, just like I believe that God wants to fill some of you or refill you with the power of his Holy Spirit because he's birthing some of you into a new season. This is a new season. We sang it this morning, God's doing a new thing. I believe that there's a new season, that God is birthing something new and fresh in your life, and the enemy does not like that. He will come against it, and he will try to rob, kill, and destroy the very plan and purpose of God. But the Holy Spirit fills Jesus. He comes up out of the water, and the Bible says, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He speaks identity and purpose into Jesus' life. He fills him with the Holy Spirit, and this is where we pick up. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the very end of them, he was hungry. <laughs> I love the humanity of Jesus. He was fully God, but he was fully human. He's hungry after not eating 40 days. Can I get an amen? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, notice how he approaches him first on his identity. He attacks and questions his identity first. If you really are, listen to what he's really questioning. He did the same thing in the garden. He's questioning the word of God over Jesus' life. Jesus just got done speaking over Jesus. This is my son. Now, some of you, that's why the word of God and the word of the Lord is spoken over your life powerfully, prophetically, and the enemy will come and did God really say? You'll leave this place today, did God really speak that to you? Did God really do that to you? Did God really heal you? Did God really touch you? Did God really change your marriage? Is God really real? He questions the very word of God. And you look at what's happening in the world today. The word of God is being tested. It's being challenged. Did God really say? Yes, it's not based on your opinion. It's not based on your interpretation. It's based on the very word of God what God did say. And so I love how Jesus comes at him. Did God really say, um, did God really say, if you are the son of God, sorry, tell this stone to become bread. You're hungry? Tell this stone to become bread. Look how Jesus answers. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, according in Deuteronomy, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil led him. He doesn't give up, notice, after the first try. Comes back again. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him, this is in the imagination now. This is where God, or the enemy, oftentimes, he'll tempt you with imaginations and high places, high things, lofty things. And the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it is written. Would you say that with me? It 
is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him. Doesn't give up twice, comes back a third time. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. You want to play the it is written game? Two can play at that. He says, I'll use scripture against you and try to manipulate it. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And when the devil finished all his testing, he left him until an opportune time. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your word that brings us life. God, we thank you that we are not just limited to our humanity and our human appetites, but thank you that your word is the bread of life. Thank you that you feed us your word and it brings us life. And I pray today that your word would do just that. It would bring us life today. Father, I pray that your word would challenge us, it would convict us, and most importantly, that it would change us. Father, we give you this time. Would you do me a favor, just put your hand on your heart. God, I pray that you would use this, that it would not be just a message, but it would be the power to transform our life. God, I pray and we give you this time. Would you anoint me, would you anoint my words? This is your time. We lift up your name, Jesus. We pray that you would use it and we would leave here not the same that we came in. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, church, would you do me a favor? Can we just take a minute to pray for our nation? God, we thank you for the United States of America. God, I still believe in this country. But Father, I believe that we have turned away from you. We ask that you forgive us for turning away from you and turning our own way. And today, we repent on behalf of ourselves, the church, and our nation. And we turn back to you, God, and we say, forgive us and heal our land. God, we need this land to be healed. We need it to be restored back to you under your authority, one nation under God. God, we pray for our government. We pray for revival in the Capitol. God, we pray for President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. God, if they do not know you, that they would come to saving grace and knowledge of you. God, that you would lead them and guide them in all their decisions as they're leading our country. Surround them with godly counsel in Jesus' mighty name. And God, I pray for our world. We lift up the nation of Afghanistan to you. Father, we pray that you would protect the Christians of that nation. God, I pray for every pastor, every church, that you would protect them, that you would lead them, guide them during this tumultuous time. God, that you would eradicate evil out of that nation in Jesus' name. God, that you would have nations rise up to come and protect the people of that nation. And God, we lift up the nation of Haiti to you. We pray, Father God, that you would, Holy Spirit, comfort those who have lost loved ones in the earthquake. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them grace and give them wisdom in this time of rebuilding as a nation. And most of all, God, I pray for revival for the nation of Haiti in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. The title of my message this morning is Torrents of Temptation. Torrents of Temptation. I love what Oscar Wilde said. He said, I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> I can resist anything except temptation. And I, na I named this Torrents of Temptation because uh, a torrent, if you look in dictionary.com, a torrent is a rushing, violent, abundant, an unceasing stream of anything. Now more than ever, I believe that as we are, as the church, ramping up our pursuit of God, as we are pressing in, as we are praying, as we're worshiping, as we're drawing near to Jesus, as we're going deeper with him, now more than ever, if you look at our, our world, I believe that our world is under attack with torrents of temptation. There is, man, when I look at what my kids these days are tempted with, I and mean, it actually grieves my spirit. How many of you remember when you actually had to go look for sin? <laughs> when you actually had to go look for temptation? Like you had to go seek it. Now it's right in your face. Every day 
we have this torrent of temptation, this stream of media and images and pictures and, um, and just a ton of stuff that are just hitting us, coming at us. Because I believe, like I said, the enemy is ramping up the spiritual warfare because he wants to take as many people, and I believe he's after a generation. That's why we need to sow into the next generation. That's why we love our hope youth and our hope kids. And right now, what's happening in these classrooms is just as important as what's happening here. And God is moving. We're preparing a generation to know God, to know God, to have a real relationship with him so they can withstand the torrents of temptation that are coming at them and that are coming at us. So here's a principle that you'll find in your life that I found in mine, and that's this. The deeper you go with God, the stronger the opposition. The deeper you go with God, the stronger the opposition. Like, the enemy, as long as we keep what we're doing in here, in here, and we don't take it out there into the world, and it, unless you start getting serious about your faith and pursuing God, he'll let you do your little devotion, and he'll let you have your, your little um, prayer time and everything, but God forbid that you start getting really serious about taking steps of faith towards God. I mean, really serious. I mean, I think too many of us have allowed our culture to dumb down the word of God and to lower our standard of, of character, of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and we're letting the world influence us more, and we're letting other people influence us more. We're letting our culture influence us more. That's gonna be one of the messages coming up in this message series, so I don't get into too much of that. But I believe our culture has tried to water down the gospel. Our culture has tried, and even we've let this, uh, unfortunately, infect the church to where uh, the church, I mean, I'm all for feel-good messages. I want you to feel good. I want you to be encouraged. But the reality is, is as your pastor, I also want to prepare you because I know what's coming at you, because I know what's coming at me. It's torrents of temptation. And just like Jesus, when his ministry, earthly ministry, was about to be birthed, the enemy was shaking. He said, we cannot let this happen. I've got to stop this before it even starts. Do you know that that's when the enemy will come at you the greatest? Just when you make a decision and a commitment in your heart that you're going to take steps of faith towards God and towards your destiny and the plan and purpose that God has for you and over your life, that he's going to stop it right in its tracks. Don't get any further. He's going to come at you with torrents of temptation. So some things I think that you need to understand about this thing called temptation that we can glean from this passage of Scripture and that we can learn from Jesus. The first one is this. Temptation is a test. Temptation is a test. It's a test of your relationship with God. It's a test. No, no, no. When they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell us the greatest commandments. What's the greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second one, just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what's going to get tested is your relationship with God. How much do you really love God? How much do you really want to go deeper with him? Because the reality, if we're going to be honest with each other, the devil puts temptation out there. Now, let me remind you of something. Temptation in itself is not a sin. Sin is a sin. When we choose to bite on that temptation and give in to it, that is sin. And we're going to see here in a, in a few minutes how James gives us the life cycle of sin and what it does, well, starting with temptation, and then as we engage in sin. But the devil has one thing in mind. He wants to separate you from the very life of God. He wants to separate you from the plan and purpose that God has for you. That's what sin does. Sin separates you from the life of God. And even saying that, let me tell you something, because immediately the enemy will try to make you think that it's God that separates himself from us. Let me tell you, uh-uh-uh, that is not the truth. The truth is, when we choose to sin, we separate ourselves from God in our choices. So it's like this, we make our choices and our choices make us. And there's consequences to sin. The Bible talks about you reap what you sow. And even though we might be remorseful, even though we might repent, 
that we live and have to live with those choices. And today, man, I've been praying for you, and I pray more than ever that this message impacts you in such a way. There's some of you right now, you're right in the middle of a temptation. You've been, you've been flirting with it? And the Bible says, can, you, can a man scoop fire in his lap and not get burned? And let me tell you something. You might be here, and you might about to be burned. Maybe you're already burned. Maybe you're flirting with it. Maybe you're entertaining it. And I pray that this message not only empowers you with the truth of God, but it empowers you with the very spirit of God to help you resist those temptations. But every temptation is a test. In fact, in Luke 4.2, the passage we just read, it says where Jesus, for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. That word tempted actually in the Greek is better translated tested. He was tested. And can I tell you something? It was, I've always kind of messed with me that it said the Spirit led Jesus into the desert. What's up with that? Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the desert knowing he would be weakened, knowing that he would be tempted? And can I tell you that I believe it's this, that God uses tests in our life to sift us. Jesus, just like you and me, needed to be tested. He needed to be tested and he needed to pass the test because he had to win the victory for you and for me. He had to do what you and I are powerless to do, the Bible says, and that is to withstand sin. Somebody had to be a forerunner. Somebody had to gain the victory so he could give you the grace of his victory. He could say, I have the victory. Now I'm giving that victory to you. We see this at work in the, in the life of the disciples. The disciples had to be tested. You have to be tested. Just like when you're in high school, I hated taking tests. How many of you, especially math tests? <laughs> hated taking tests. I didn't like studying for them. Um, and even more so, I didn't like it when I failed the test. Because you know what that meant? You got to take it again. And if you don't pass it again, you might fail the whole grade. Why? Because the, the teacher is trying to teach you something. He's, you have to learn something so that you can graduate to the next level. God is trying to graduate some of us to the next level in him, but because we keep failing the test and not recognizing that God is trying to do something in you. The disciples experienced this. Look at Luke 22, 31. This is, this is Peter. I love Peter because he's just such a guy, right? Like, guy. Like, in one minute, he's telling Jesus, I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. And the next minute, he's like, I don't know the dude. Like, who is he? Know him? No, I don't know him. And that's like me sometimes, man. I could be all in with Jesus one day, and the next day, I'm like, I'm all in the world. And I'm with you, and I'm led by my emotions. And Peter was like, no, Jesus, I'll, I'll be with you to the death. And look what Jesus says to him. He says, Simon, Simon. You know when Jesus says something twice, it's like your mama saying your first name twice or, or your middle name. It's getting your attention. You know he's serious. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, as wheat. There's a sifting going on. This is a necessary part of our process to become more like Jesus. And if we don't recognize that God, now, God doesn't tempt us. He's, he lets his devil on a leash do that. Notice that he says that Satan has asked. There, do you realize that God's hand of protection is on you, and the only way that Satan could get to you is if you open up a door to him and allow him in, or God allows him to test you or tempt you? And so there's a father filter that everything has to go through the filter of the Father, and God will allow you, just like he allowed Jesus, to be tested and sifted. Your soul needs to be sifted. Why? Because of this, he says in the very next verse, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. So part of it is the stronger your faith is, the stronger you have the ability to resist temptation. Now, faith is your trust in God. It's not trust in yourself. It's not trust in my own willpower. It's not because I read uh, a book, Seven Steps on Defeating Temptation, and now I can do it. But no, it's recognizing my faith and trust is in Jesus. My faith and hope and trust is in the power of the Holy Spirit, God's grace on my life. I can't do it, but God can. And he goes back, he says this, if you could put that scripture back up. 
He says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you're going to learn something from this test. You might fail. I know that. And I've got provision for your failure. Mm, some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you keep failing. Some of you have failed. And you need to know that God is on your side. He's been praying for you. And he's got provision even in your failure. And he says this, I know you're failed, but if you'll turn back, if you'll repent, if you'll learn something from the test about me, about yourself, and you'll turn back to me, I'll give you strength so that you can do what? And when you have turned back, do what? Strengthen your brothers. Somebody needs to win the battle. Somebody needs to get victory. Because when you do, now when you gain that victory, you actually have the grace to go and help other people and be a source of strength for them and to bring them strength in their testing, in their trial, and in their temptation. So what does James tell us to do? I don't like this part. I'm not very good at this part. But he says, go on and get happy. <laughs> Consider it pure joy. Say, what? My brothers and sisters, when you face trials, that word trials is that same word for temptation. It's a trial, it's a testing, it's a temptation. When you face trials and temptations of many kinds, because of what you know, this is what you need to know today, that the testing of your faith, God is using it to produce something in you. He's using it to produce perseverance. What is perseverance? It is a I'm not giving up attitude. I may have failed, and I love the scripture that says a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises back up again and again and again. And even though I might fail, I'm not giving in to the temptation to stay on the ground. And this is what the devil tricks us in. You give in to, this is what happens. He tricks you into taking a bite, falling into that temptation. He says, well, you've already done that, so you might as well just go the rest of the way. You might as well just keep going and keep going. And, and, and what happens is, as you do that, it separates you more and more from the very life of God and the strength of God, and you only get worse, you don't get better. And then things that you used to think, I would never do that, they all of a sudden become more normalized. And it becomes okay, and then what happens is you start justifying your sin. Well, they do it, it's okay, I heard about this other pastor doing it. And I know they're doing stuff like that, and it's okay, and what, that's what guys do. Because I'm, I'm listening to Vogue magazine more than I am my Bible. And I'm going on the internet, and I'm getting my information, and I'm getting um, my teaching, and the internet's becoming my tutor instead of the very word of God, the truth. And so what happens is, first, you need to understand that all temptation is a test. The second thing, and for your proving, for your maturity. How it ends, it says, that perseverance, it needs to finish its work in you. Like it's trying to do something, and what it's trying to do is it's trying to grow you up in Christ. God is trying to make you more like his son Jesus, and let me tell you, he cares more about your character than your comfort. So he'll allow you to go through trials. Why, a trial going through a temptation is kind of like going through the fire, right? It's fire, but you know what fire does? It heats up your soul and it brings all the impurities to the top because God is trying to get you into pure gold. There is gold inside of you. And the enemy has tried to tell you you're garbage, you'll never amount to anything, and my God says that you're more than a conqueror, that you can have victory through Christ, that you're the head, not the tail. Right? The second thing you need to understand is this. We're tempted at our point of need. We're always tempted at our point of need. And the enemy, man, he, he is, outside of God, he's the greatest psychologist. Psychology is the study of human behavior. He studies you, he watches you. The Bible says he roams around like a roaring lion. He's a counterfeit God. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to find your need. And some of us, we have legitimate needs, just like Jesus. He had legitimate needs. He was hungry. I remember, you know, that's a legitimate need. I'm human. I love the humanity of Jesus. He was all God and all human. So even though he had the very spirit of God inside of him and he was fully God, he was fully human. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was lonely, emotionally spent, 
physically spent. And the enemy knows just the right time. He waits for an opportune time. He doesn't get you when you're coming out of church full of faith, full of the Spirit of God, ready to take on the world, right? He doesn't get you right after somebody's given you a prophetic word and you are so excited about it. You know God is moving in your life. No, he waits to your, have you ever heard the acronym HALT? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. He waits for an opportune time. What's your opportune time? Some of you know exactly when it is. And can I tell you that your enemy is strategic? You need to be even more strategic. You need to take this temptation thing serious because he is. He's setting a trap for you. Look at when the devil had finished tempting him. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to wait to just the right time. I'm going to wait till they have a need. And this is why he's a counterfeit God. He will present counterfeit solutions to a godly need. You have godly needs. You have need for a relationship. You have emotional needs. Those are legit. Those are not worldly things. God made you with a soul. He made you with emotions. He, he made you for a relationship. Like you need other people. Like being married, the Bible says it's a good thing. Amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? Come on. Yes. But look, we can... The enemy will come at you if you don't meet that need in a biblical way, in a healthy way, he'll come at you with a counterfeit need. So we have a need for intimacy. That's why we believe in connect groups here at Hope Church. That's why I'm gonna get on all of you for the next five weeks to get in a connect group because being in relationship with other people who are pursuing God is one of the best things and most important things that you could do in your life and you need a church family to walk with you. There's no solo artists, there's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We are an army of many. But your need for intimacy, if that need isn't met in a biblical healthy way, the enemy will come with a counterfeit solution to your need. And you're not getting that intimacy need, so I'll come at you with a little porn. And now I'll get you hooked on that bait. And I'll get my fangs in you. And I will not let you go. I will rip you to shreds. And so you have to understand your needs. And even what the enemy will do, he will use things in your life, bad things, horrible things, to manipulate your appetites, to manipulate your needs. So some of us, we have unhealthy needs. We have unhealthy desires we've established because of sin we've given into temptation or there's been something that happened in your life maybe when you were young I, I hate to say this but I almost have to just to use it as an example because I've seen it so many times in our living waters that when you were young somebody molested you raped you uh, did something terrible to you and now the enemy has used that as an open door in your life to pervert a godly need and to create an appetite for something unnatural. Perverted. Perversion simply means this, taking something that was originally created for good and perverting it into something bad. So that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to take the good, healthy, godly needs that you were made with. Now, now sometimes I think we think we're just bad people and if you listen to some theologians, they'll say you're you're depraved, you're, a, you know, you're, you're terrible, you're a sinner. Listen, in the beginning, if you go to the Word of God, which I highly suggest, it's amazing. Um, if you go to the Word of God, in the beginning, God made man in his image, in his likeness, and he said, it is good. And then he made woman, and he said, it is real good. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so you are good, originally. But because of temptation, sin entered the world and perverted what God made good. Even creation groans under sin because God perverted even nature and even what we see. I don't even know if you understand the full effects of sin in your life and my life until we get to heaven. If we could see it, man, you would run from it. But James says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who do what? Who love him. And see, that's the problem. Honestly, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, 
We don't love God more than we love the world. We don't love God more than we love our flesh. Our, our humanity getting met, needs getting met in unhealthy ways outside of the will of God. It says, listen, and he, now he tells us, now he's getting theological on us. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But he allows it. But each person, listen, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Now watch, James is telling you, this is how the cycle of temptation, sin, and death works. He said, then that desire, when it has conceived, when it's given birth, when you enter into sin, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so here's the cycle of the torrent of temptation that you and I can get caught in. We give in to the temptation. The temptation comes. You bite into that temptation. It births sin in your life, which separates you from the life of God and leads you into death. And some of us are dying. We may not be dying physically, but you're dying. Your, your marriage is dying. Your finances are dying. Your relationships are dying. Your soul is dying. Your destiny is dying. And you need more than ever the life of God to refresh you and to remind you of all those things. But the very thing that you need, the enemy through sin separates you from that life. It separates you from peace. It separates you from joy. The very need, the most basic intrinsic need that you have is the very life of God. It's the breath of God. And that torrent of temptation, it will pull you under and it will, until you have no air left in your lungs. Some of you, like you're breathing through a straw right now. And you're not getting enough oxygen. You're not getting enough of the life of God. So how do we do this? How do we break free? How do we resist temptation? I believe that James also gives us the answer. But I, I want to just give you a little illustration because um, I, I like illustrations and I like fishing. And I think when James says that you are drawn away, he's using a metaphor, a hunting or fishing metaphor. It actually means to put or cast the bait out in front of you. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when you go fishing. And what happens is the enemy knows you're not stupid, or at least some of us. And um, so he doesn't come at Pastor David with a hook because he knows he's not going to come at a hook. He's not going to come at knowing that this is going to kill his marriage. This is going to kill his ministry. Right? He doesn't come at you with a hook. You're not biting on that hook, are you? But what he does is he will come at him. He'll go in his toolbox, and he'll say, hmm, you look like you could use a Krispy Kreme donut, Pastor David. <laughs> I've got just the thing for you. I'm going to put this baby out. I'm going to tempt you with that. Come on now. Come on. You like that? Come on. Come on. Just get it. Come on, boy. Eat it. You're ruining my illustration. And now, once he's got it in his mouth, I've got you. I can lead you wherever I want you to go. I can lead you over here. You're mine. Thank you, Pastor David. You could have that donut, by the way. <laughs> grab this tackle box too. The thing about a hook is this. You don't see the hook, but there's something on the hook called the claw. It's on the back of the hook, and once you bite on it, you try to get off of it, it gets all up in you, in your soul, and it won't let you go. And now it can manipulate you because now I've got control over you. It's just like when you go on the internet. You ever been on the internet? Joyce Meyer, she had a funny illustration for this once. There was this young married couple, and the wife kept coming home with shopping bags. And so the husband pulled up their credit card statement, and he noticed that she's spending a lot of money, way too much money, on shopping. So he says, honey, we need to talk about this. Like, you have got to get the shopping thing under control. No more buying clothes, okay? She said, okay, okay, okay. 
She's, she's like, but I don't know what to do when I see, you know, a nice dress or something. I just, I buy it. It makes me feel good. And he says, okay, do this. The next time that you go in and you see something you want to buy, you just say, Satan, get behind me. And she says, okay, okay, that's what I'll do. And so the next week, she does good for like a week, but then one day, you know, she's really feeling the urge, and she's in the mall, she's walking by this women's clothing store, and she sees this beautiful blue dress in the window. And the sales girl's like, oh, come in, this would look perfect for your figure. And she's like, oh, really? And so she comes in, and she tries it on, and, she, and, the, and the salesperson's like, oh, that fits you perfect, you should buy that, your husband will love it. She's like, really, you think so? And then she, says, she remembers what her husband told her. She says, Satan, get behind me. And so he goes behind her and he says, looks pretty good from back here too. <laughs> Husband wasn't impressed. Can't do it, can't get off the hook. And that's how some of us feel, so what's the answer? The answer is this. I believe James gives us the answer. He says this in James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When he says, wash your hands, I mean, that, 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 that's, we've got to get rid of this. We've we got to let go of some things. We've got to do the first thing, which is submit to God. That's, do you know what the original sin was? The original sin was a bite no apple. It had nothing to do with that. The original sin was Adam and Eve wanting to be like God. They wanted to actually be their own God. In other words, they wanted to be in charge of their own life. It's the same temptation that most of us had, and this is where temptation starts. How did the enemy come to them? They had everything they needed, all their needs met by God. This is what we would just get if we... You have to understand, the enemy wants to trick you into believing that God can't meet all your needs and he's not good. Like, he's not good enough. Like, you need something Jesus plus something else to meet my needs. Like, he can't meet those needs. Only the world, only other things can do that. And this is one of his biggest lies. But the enemy came, God said, you can, you're free to eat off any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So when the enemy came and tempted Eve, he said, did God really say you cannot eat of any tree? And she responds, well. She says, yes, he did. And then he comes back again a second time, and he says, listen, God did say that. You're right. I'll give you that. But he knows if you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like him, knowing good and evil. And let me tell you, our world right now, wants you to be your own God. Why? Because in your, when you take the place of God in your life and do what you want to do and resist God's will for your life, now you get to say what's right and wrong. Because I have the knowledge of good and evil. I can say what's right and what's wrong. And you look at the world right now, everybody's trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong, and nobody is listening to the truth of the Word of God. This is the only authority over every believer's life. Don't you be fooled by somebody else trying to tell you, oh, that's okay, oh yeah, where's that in the Bible? Where's the truth in that? It's okay to look at that, that's what guys do. No, 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 where's that say that in the Bible? I'm submitting to the authority of the word of God over my life, I'm submitting to God. When I submit to God, I purposely come under God's control of my life. And I said, you know what? I, I used to be in control of my life, how'd that work out for you, boy? Not very good. Found myself in a lot of trouble. Depressed, had to take pills to go to sleep, was on antidepressants, had no plan, purpose for my life. Probably should be out on the street a drug addict, but I'm not, I'm here. Because thank God, God had grace. He drew me by the power of his Holy Spirit and I submitted. I surrendered, I said, God, I can't do this anymore apart from you. Some of you today, you need to make that decision. God, I can't, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I've tried, I've tried, my, I don't have enough self-discipline. I don't, I don't have enough control. I don't have enough. I'm submitting to you, I'm waving the white flag. I'm surrendering. I, my hands are raised, I'm submitting, I'm sticking up. I can't do it. The second thing is we need to resist the devil. What does that mean? I think there's many ways that we can resist the devil. The first one is this. Don't be stupid. 
<laughs> like seriously, don't put yourself in compromising positions. Like if you're struggling with drinking, don't go to the party. <laughs> don't go to the bar. Come on, I mean, I remember Pastor Don Burleson, our pastor, he used to say, if your arm keeps doing this, then stop doing that. Like, right? I mean, some of it, just use wisdom. Don't put yourself in compromising positions where you know, and, and you know, Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit just reminded me, some of you, you need to cut off some relationships in your life. You need to cut off some, I, I mean, you need to get, this is, Jesus purposely used a radical illustration to get the point across. If you want to stop sin in your life, if you want to stop falling into temptation, then you need to get radical about stopping it. I don't care if that means you got to stop internet in your house, if you got to put filters on, if you got to have accountability partners, whatever you got to do, you got to do it, but I don't care, cut it out, get rid of it. Don't do it. Stop doing it. Be smart. Because some of us, it's killing you. It's killing your relationships, killing your marriage, killing your soul. Nobody else knows this. Man, I feel this so strong right now. The Holy Spirit, there's some of you, man, you're dying inside. And he's got a grip on you, and you feel like you can't let go resist. The other thing to do, the Bible says flee sexual immorality. Like run. Don't flirt with it. Too many of us, we're flirting with it. We're, we're playing around with it. We're, we're getting close to that line. In youth ministry, they always used to say, where's the line? Don't even get close to the line. Stop it. Stop playing around with it. The other thing you do, here's another thing. Pray. Listen, prayer is your first line of offense, not your last line of defense. Jesus said, now listen to me, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, his greatest test, his greatest temptation was to abort the plan, to not go to the cross. His flesh was screaming inside, so much so that he was agonizing in prayer. The Bible says that he fell on the ground with sweating drops of blood, and he said one of the most beautiful prayers, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He submitted to God. Not my will, yours be done, nevertheless. But yet, even in his greatest anguish, he was concerned about his disciples. Twice he got up from prayer and went over to them and said, could you not pray with me? He said, pray that you do not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, Jesus understood something. They were about to get tested too. And you don't wait till you're in the middle of a temptation to start praying. You start praying before so that you have the strength to withstand the temptation when it comes. Oh, come on, that was better than you're giving me amens for. Because let me tell you, there's strength in prayer. Strength in prayer. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Look how Jesus combated temptation. The enemy will come at you with lies, and if you will counteract it with the truth of God, you can pull down every lie and make it come under to obedience to Christ. But you gotta recognize it's a lie and I'm giving it to you. Some of you need to start memorizing scriptures in the very area you're being tempted. And when you're tempted, you say, devil, I know what's happening here. Let me tell you, here's a, here's a scripture for you. It is written, fill in the blank. Let me tell you the, the last thing, and I could go on, the, a whole nother message on resisting the devil, but here's what I think is actually one of the most important things. That is this. Too many of us are so focused on defense that we're not building or advancing the kingdom of God. So here's what happens. You start trying not to sin and trying. You're so focused on not falling into temptation that you're not recognizing that the devil's got you either way because one of the greatest temptations is not that we wouldn't sin, but we wouldn't do anything with the very spirit of God that he's put in you. Oh, man, I'm going to preach to these people over here because they're serious about pursuing God. Let me tell you something. God has, this isn't just preacher talk. Read your Bible. God has a purpose, a plan, a destiny for your life, and now more than ever is the time to start stepping out in faith into it. But if you're so focused on trying not to sin, you might sin by sin of omission, not just sins of commission. 
So if the devil can just get you distracted enough by trying not to sin, you'll actually forget that you're actually supposed to do something with what God gives you. You're actually supposed to do something with the very spirit of God inside of you that's alive. You've got resurrection power and life inside of you for a purpose, a plan, and a reason. Do something with it. I'm almost done. <laughs> Maybe. No, I promise I am. I love football. How many football fans? I, I can't wait for football season to start. Did you know there was this high school football coach named Kevin Kelly? I read about this article in Sports Illustrated about him. Most unique high school football coach ever. In 18 years of coaching high school football in Arkansas, he won this, his team won the state championship nine times. 50% of the time in 18 years, his team won the state championship. You know how hard that is? This is in the deep south, bro. They ain't like football here. They take, like football, right? My Texans are laughing because they understand. That's life, man. That's Friday Night Lights, bro. You, you, that's a big deal. Nine out of 18 years won the state championship. Sports Illustrated did an article on him and asked him, he said, how did you win? And he had a very unconventional style of coaching. He never punted. So if you don't know football, you get four downs to get 10 yards and you get a new set of four downs or you have to score, get into the end zone. Most coaches, they try to get 10 yards or score on three downs and if they don't succeed, they punt the ball back to the opponent and put it in their hands and they play defense. This coach, hardly ever punted the ball. In other words, he never put the ball back in the enemy's hands. He kept it on his own and he kept taking it to the enemy. And because of that, won eight state championships, or nine, I'm sorry, in 18 years. There's a lesson spiritually in that. Stop giving the ball back to the enemy. Keep it in your hands. Keep the kingdom of God moving forward. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but violent men take it by what? By force. I'm keeping that ball. I'm not punting it. I'm taking it because I got a plan and purpose that's bigger than falling into temptation. The last thing is this you got to draw near to God. In all this, the enemy's greatest temptation is that because you failed, and listen, we all do. We all do. In fact, Proverbs says even though a righteous man falls, seven times he rises back up so does women some of you today's the day to rise back up today's the day to get up brush off that sin say god i'm tired of living like this i'm ready to get victory in my life the only way you're going to get that victory is to draw near to him come to the feet of jesus that's where the life is but he's such a master at getting in your mind, reaping condemnation and guilt and shame, and feeding you lies about who you are and who you aren't and who you'll never be and what this person said and what you did and the, your past and keep you so bound in all of that that you feel like I can't escape. But my Bible says that, that all of us have been tempted but not past the point where we can't bear the temptation that in every temptation God will provide what a way out and today's your escape hatch do you know that word way out in the Greek it actually is symbolic of this army being surrounded by another army and in the middle of being surrounded by an army there's a there's a path through the mountains of escape and I believe where that begins is this when we draw near to Jesus, recognize that he's not, going to, he's not going to tell you, no, go away from me. Because Hebrews 4.15 says this, we have a high priest, Jesus, who's not unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence. You can draw near to God in confidence so that we receive the mercy that we need and find grace to help us in our time of need. So just draw near. It reminds me of this story, and I'm done. In uh, 18, 1851, 
was the first America's Cup. The America's Cup is a regatta, it's a sailboat race. In eight, August 22nd, 1851, John Cox Stevens, he, um, he commandeered this American ship that won the first America's Cup from the New York Yacht Club. And it said that actually Queen Victoria was there at that very first initial America's Cup race. And she was watching and she asked who came in second to one of her leaders that were next to her, who famously said, ah, oh, your majesty, there is no second. And after that first initial race that they won, for 132 years, they won that race year after year. The longest winning streak in sports history. 132 years. Until 1983, September 26, 1983 to be exact. The Australia 2 ship won the America's Cup for the very first time from the Americans, from the New York Yacht Club. Now after 132 years, people thought it was going to be impossible to win that race. In fact, mo there was a lot of people that, that stopped entering the race because they thought this is, it's pointless. You can't win this race. You'll never be able to win this race. When they asked the captain of the Australia 2, what, what was it that helped you win the race with a margin of 41 seconds against this team that won for 132 years? The skipper told him, so the first step was that we actually had to believe that we could win. And so what he did to help his crew of six he took a sailboat out and he made a recording going through every turn of the race and he even added narration to a commentary oh the, the the australia too makes the turn and he recorded a whole race on tape and them crossing the finish line to victory shouts and he made each one of his crew listen to that tape every day twice a day for two years straight when they won the race, when they started the race, they'd already actually won the race 2,100 times. The first step for you to break the power of sin and temptation over your life is you have to believe you've already won. Jesus already paid the price. He's already given you the victory. So what is it that you need to listen to every day? It's the scripture. I want to read it to you. I want you to close your eyes. Because I believe this has the power to break off sin. Some of your life today, some of the shame, some of the guilt. This is your victory. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law, but you live under the freedom of God's grace. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law, for now you live under the freedom of God's grace. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Now you live under the freedom of God's grace. When you submit to him, you resist the devil, draw near to God. And some of you right now, I feel the Spirit of God in this place. You need to draw near to God right now. He's saying, come. Come to me. I know what it's like. Some of you right now, just, if that's you, just lift your hand in heaven right now. Come on, don't be shy. This isn't the time to be shy. This is the time to say, I'm done with the sin. I'm done with this temptation. I want freedom from it. We're going to have our prayer team over here to the right. But I want to pray over you. Some of you, today is the day that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Like the very first step is to submit your life and to say, I want to know God. I'm tired of trying to live life on my own. I want to submit to him. And you can make that decision today. That's you. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor Lance, I'm not going to have you come up to the front or anything, but I want you to just say, this is to God, not me. Raise your hand and say, God, I want to know you. I want to submit to you. I'm tired of trying to fight temptation on my own. I want to surrender my life to you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, anyone else? This is your moment. Don't let it slip by. 
come on, I want all of us to pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for winning the battle for me. Today, I submit to you. I surrender to you. Would you come into my life? Forgive me my sin. Make all things new. I believe you are birthing something new in my life. And I choose to pursue you into the deep. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.